God, I pray that you would help every single person here today through the teaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's take the Bible. Got your Bible, really, with you? Not, you know, hold up your phone. <laughs> you know, it's on there somewhere, right? And uh, let's take the Bible and let's turn, if you will, to Psalm 1. We're in a series of psalms, and we've asked you to um, actually read a psalm every single week. We've got some devotionals there for you by the staff on uh, our Facebook page. And, uh, and so, as you've looked through this and uh, been able to study through the psalms, we're, we're looking at a very special one today, and I'll share with you why in just a few moments. Let me just say something about uh, Tim and how we've come about doing all this. Um, we were looking for staff uh, last year during the Southern Baptist Convention, so I found myself, instead of being in a lot of the meetings, actually uh, uh, being in the hallway. Is that okay? And I'm meeting and greeting people and asking them, who do you know, who do you know, looking for a worship leader. And <clears throat> a very important part of the convention came up. And so Pam and I were walking in the hall. It's right after lunch. And I uh, had a hard time making our way there. And by the time we got there, uh, the place was just packed. And we wanted to sit, sort of sit near the door and all that so we can, um, you know, make sure we see people as they come in, people I know, so I can go ask them, who do you know? But there were no seats. And so we had to meander around a little bit and finally found us a couple of seats together. And... Uh, Right after that little session, right across from us was Tim Johnson. I don't know if I'd have recognized him. I guess I would. But he came up to us and was talking to us. And it turned out, and you know, if I could just share this, if you don't mind, um, about a week before, he had a dream, not even knowing we needed a minister of music, but had a dream that he became minister of music, of worship arts here. And then he sees us, so he kind of flags his dad. And I'm joking with him because I know he's, he's at a good church. And I said, uh, yeah, we're looking for a minister of music. And, uh, and Pam said, well, what about you? And, uh, and he just sort of grinned and he said, well, you never know. And so it just sort of came from there. You know, it's what's so wonderful about this, uh, besides the fact that um, he's gifted, he's evangelistic, mission-minded, just fits right into what we're about. He and Mary Beth both is, you know, we send out so many people. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there are over 50 guys right now, men and women, that are out either in ministry here in the United States or overseas that have come through our church. So we've sent out a lot of people. Isn't it great to get one back, isn't it? And uh, God's sending us one back, and we just praise the Lord for him. A lot of you don't know. How many of you are aware, any, any awareness at all, of Oviedo chickens? Anybody here? You know, they're, they're on the website. I mean, they're on the Internet. There's a story about the Oviedo chickens on the Internet. And when you look up Oviedo, a lot of times it shows the, the roosters and the chickens. And the story goes, his grandfather, Wayne Johnson, who was a member here and helped, I think, build the chapel over here, as well as the Legacy Hall. They were here during that time. He had a feed store here, and the chickens got out of, the, uh, of uh, his pen. And they never could round them all up. And today we have those chickens. And so we're known for that. And, and so that's just a little story here for you. You know, you, you listen to Tim's testimony and you think, wow, how can I be like that? D didn't you sense that a little bit? You're down. You've got problems going on in your own life. And maybe you had some catastrophic things happen to your life. Most people have, you know, if you've lived very many years at all. 
And you think, how, how can I, you know, you, you get depressed, you get down, and, and the Psalms are full of that. 149 Psalms are filled with handling your problems. Psalm 1 is foundational to all that. But you sort of think to yourself, how can I go through life and endure? And not only endure, but be successful. And I would count success, biblically speaking, as enjoying God as you accomplish his will for your life. How do you do that? How do you keep from quitting? How do you keep from the joy being sapped out of your life? Psalm 1 gives us the answer to that. Now, keep in mind as we're looking at Psalm 1, it is foundational. It, it doesn't take into account at all the trials that you're going through. 149 Psalms after this take into that account. It takes into account of your depression, your despair, the sufferings of life, the losses in life, the discouragements as you maybe lose in business or a family member that is struggling. All the Psalms, different Psalms cover those things. David went through it. David wrote half the Psalms and he went through a lot of stuff. But this Psalm presents the ideal to us. It presents to us the very foundation to our living our life. And as we're looking at this passage, it really contrasts two different lifestyles. One, it calls righteous and the other one it calls ungodly or wicked. Now, Proverbs contrasts a lot of things. And it usually is the, the, uh, the person that is righteous or wise versus the person who's foolish. It means all the same thing. Those who have God as their source and follow him versus those who may believe in God but really don't see God as their object of worship, as their source in life. So I want you to be successful. I do. I want you to be godly. I, I want you to be holy. But I also want you to be successful in life. I want you to be able to withstand the storms of life. I want you to be successful, and God does too, as we'll read in this psalm in just a few moments. As I'm looking through this, as we're looking face-to-face -face with God, I want us to look at three things. In order to get that blessed life, that successful life, that touch of heaven here on earth, you might say, You've got to, there's certain things you have to avoid. There's a life that is foundationally wrong, and you have to avoid that. And then there's a second thing is a life that you want to grasp, that you want to grip. And finally, there's one that's the key to it all that you want to embrace. So we're going to look at those three things as we look through this psalm this morning. It says in verse 1, as we look at what to avoid, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. A blessed man means more than just happy. And the translation sometimes in the New Testament, and some of your paraphrases may be of the Beatitudes, and, and where Jesus said, happy is, or blessed is the poor in spirit, for they shall see God, and blessed are the meek, and blessed are those who mourn. That word blessed sometimes is translated happy, but it means more than that. It means a joyful experience with God that's close enough to where you feel satisfaction in life. You feel a sense of counting in life. A sense of uh, that your life matters for something. And that's the key to success. All of us want to matter. In fact, look at what 2016 brought us. Black lives matter. Blue lives matter. All lives matter. And our slogan, you know, becoming people who matter by following the Lord Jesus Christ. And so even our slogan looks at that. We, we want to count for something, and that's how we reach that point of really having satisfaction in life. Notice what it says here. 
it says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, these people, these wicked, ungodly people are simply, they they don't see their source as God at all. And, And they want freedom in their life. And so, because they want that freedom, like the prodigal son who uh, inherited one-third of his father's estate and wanted it right then, he took off, lived the way he wanted to live, went where he wanted to go, and because of that, the Bible says he ended up in the hog pen of life. All kinds of freedom, and that is the cry of our heart. Not just this generation, though it is this generation, probably in America maybe more than any other generation America's ever seen. We want freedom, 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 freedom. This is what they're talking about here. The way of the wicked says, I do what I want to do. I go where I want to go. And because of that, verse 4 happens. Look down in verse 4. The wicked, it says, are not so. In fact, let's just read uh, verses 2 and 3. I think it fits in the context much, much better to do that. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night. And we will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. He's going to compare us to something. When whatever this means, delighting in the Lord, meditating on the word, whatever that means, the result of it is we're going to be like something. A tree planted by the living water of God, and it says, which yields its fruit in its season. We're going to be successful. We're going to yield the fruit that God wants us to have and accomplish his will. And its leaf does not wither. And so even the the greenery is there. The testimony is there. He says, and whatever he does, he prospers. He's going to find success in what he does. But, he says, the wicked are not so. And so you get the picture of two different contrasts. We, we can uh, follow this all throughout the Bible. What about Matthew chapter 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, I'm going to compare you to two different people. One, a person who builds his house upon the rock. The rock in the Bible is Jesus himself. Builds his house upon the rock. He says, you do these sayings of mine, and I will compare you to a person who builds his house upon a rock. And the rains came, the storms came, and great was the storm, but the house withstood because it had a foundation. It was founded upon a rock. Jesus said, however, if you don't do these words of mine, if the word of God does not abide in your heart, and you don't live by the word of God, I'll compare you to a person who builds his house upon the sand. The house looks the same. Maybe just as pretty as the other one, but the storms of life, and the storms of life always come at some point or another. And the storm tore down the house, and great was his fall because Jesus said it was not founded upon the rock. Same principle here. There is a life of the person whose source is God and his word, and the person who says, No, I don't need the rules, I need the freedom. And they have no roots in this life. And so we find here a comparison of chaff. It's not the the rock and the sand. It's not comparing it to the sand now. It's comparing it to chaff. Now, it's an agricultural term. And many of you have never farmed wheat before. But when you thresh the the wheat in the floor, you you toss it up in the air, and the outer little shell kind of falls off. If I could maybe, uh, you know, in, uh, in modern-day terms and help you understand, all of you have been to one of those restaurants that have free peanuts, right? I mean, you're getting hungry right now, I can tell. And so you have the free, and you open up those peanuts, 
And these little, not the shell, but what's inside the shell. What wraps around the peanut. You know what I'm talking about, those little red skin things? Little skin to the peanut. Sometimes you eat it, sometimes it just sort of falls off. And you sweep it what? In some of these places, you just sweep it into the floor. Man, it feels good to do that. You know, just sweep it into the floor. And maybe it kind of flies off. Well, when the wheat was, was harvested, the wheat, the real wheat, fell to the ground, but the chaff, the shell around it that had really nothing to it anymore, it served its purpose. It had no real purpose. And, and now it goes up into the air and just blows away. And if you have allergies, man, it's really tough on you because it just blows everywhere. He says, if you don't do, uh, live according to the word of God, if you live according to the counsel of this world, you're going to be like the chaff. And the chaff, hey, what's the benefits to being chaff? You go where you, you just go with the wind. It's like uh, the little cartoon I saw one time about the kite and a uh, little, little cartoon, little comic book thing. And it, the kite was up in the air and he was saying, wow, I'm really higher than anything else. I'm soaring above um, uh, the beaches and man, I see this, but I see this the same scene every time. I bet if I could get loose from this string, I could really fly then. That's all I would need. And he pulls and he pulls and pulls. And one day, he finally breaks the string and begins to fly with the wind. The problem is those little sticks begin to break. And he finds himself tumbled down on the beach, broken. That's what happens to our life. We may get loose from God and loose from the string. And we're living in all kinds of freedom. But we're flying around. And one day, we just simply fall. And we're broken at that point. And Jesus, the, the psalmist says, this is what happens. We're like a tumbleweed. Tumbleweed is, is free. It just blows with the wind, goes anywhere the wind takes it. But it has no root. It has no roots at all. Remember the story again about the prodigal son. He goes off and he finds his freedom. And we said the cost of that, he lost his home. And so when you and I go overboard in the freedom part, now Jesus said the, the truth will set you free. And so there's a freedom of the soul, a freedom of the spirit, a freedom from guilt, a freedom from bitterness that we all can enjoy through Jesus Christ. But just simply go, you know, the old mama, you know, I'm really dating myself here. I was a little bitty lad. But anyway, the mamas and the papas. Anybody ever heard of them in this? Okay, some of you. You, you you've got the old records. And... Uh, one of the songs, I don't even know the name of it, but it says, I'm going to go where I want to go, and I'm going to do what I want to want to do. I don't know why I want to want to came out, but, uh, you know, that's, that was the song. I'll, I'll go where I want to want to go, and I'll do what I want to want to do. That was the generation. I'll do what I want to do, go where I want to go. So what happens? There's no, there's no true foundation to life, and therefore you're taken away. You're like the chaff that's thrown up in the air or the tumbleweed that's going along, and the winds of change comes along, and it takes you in another direction. How many, even theologically sometimes, every generation comes along and says, oh, we've got the truth. They're just blown away by different, by different doctrines. Somebody maybe leaves a church because of a new doctrine they found, but it's just really an old doctrine. We're blown, around, blown away by our feelings. God, I, I can't trust you anymore. I, I, this is the way I feel, God. And there's nothing abnormal and inhuman about feeling that way. But when you quit, what you're saying is, I'm like the chaff. I'm just driven by the wind of feelings. I'm, I'm driven by my fears. How many people right now in this country are even taking counsel now of their fears? There are people in churches that do that all the time. 
There's people in our community. They, they get something in their head and they're just fearful of it. Opinions of friends, suffering. What about the culture? Right here it says in these verses, notice what happens. This is a perfect picture of how, the, how we respond to the culture. He says, first of all, don't stand in the way of sinners, the path of sinners. You can just picture this guy walking along, and uh, he hears this discussion that's interesting over here, and he's just sort of walking slow, and the next day he walks slower, and the next day slower, because he wants to hear what's going on. At a distance, you know, just curious. The next thing you know, he decides one day just to stand there at the corner and listen to what's going on. And it begins to influence his life. And finally, the Bible says he's sitting with the scoffers, the scorners, that are not, he's not only a part of them, but now it's almost like he's leading the way to them with them. And so as we look at this, we see something going on here where we're just get, getting blown away. Now there are no absolutes. Where do we go? Well, it's just like Francis Schaeffer has said, that I've mentioned before, whatever the world's doing today, the church is going to be doing seven years from now because we're just so influenced by culture. Why is it that something was wrong to do 20, 30 years ago, it's not wrong to do today? And what's going to happen 20 or 30 years from now? There's no, there's no compass. There's no foundation. There's no rock. There's no root. And, in fact, a question was asked, what would you do for $10 million? Now think about that for just a moment. What would you do? Some questions were asked. 25% said for $10 million, they would abandon their entire family. And that's not just in-laws, folks. That's the entire family. 23% would become prostitutes for a week. 16% would give up their American citizenship. 10% would withhold testimony to let a murderer go free. 7% would kill a stranger. And 3% would put their children up for adoption. Why is it? Because now it's, everything's negotiable. Everything's negotiable. And in the course of all this, as we see what's happening, we see what happens to a person who's outside of the will of God, who has no absolute root into the Bible. You know, somebody cuts you off in traffic. I mean, that makes you mad. What are they doing? I can tell you what they're doing. They're doing what they want to do. A man leaves his family and abandons them. What's he doing? He's doing what? He's going where he wants to go. The lying, the cheating, the breaking of agreements, the breaking, whether it's an oral agreement or a contractual agreement, and all the excuses that the world makes for doing that, and they think, they think they're more cunning as they con someone. All of that comes from, I want to do what I want to do. I want to go where I want to go because they're like the chaff and they're just blowing in the wind. There's no substance to it and there's no root to it and there's no home. The less rules you have, the less rules you have, the less roots you have. I know there's a balance, but the less Rules you have in life. If you're not grounded in the word of God, if you don't have guidance in your life, you don't have roots. If you don't have roots, you don't have a home. And you're searching and searching. And here's the, here's the entertainer that says, uh, you know, they, they're going to get married for the third or fourth or fifth time because they're never, they're searching. And they can because they can do that because they're, they're rich and they're famous. They can do what they want to do. Go where they want to go. A lot of people want to be famous just for that reason. A lot of people want to be rich just so they can go where they want to go and do what they want to do. And so we look. 
at a life to avoid, and then we look for a life to embrace, a life to pursue. Look with me in verse 2. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Notice the counsel here. His delight, that means he's delighting. This is really an accounting term, an economic term. It says you feel rich in the word. You're delighting yourself. You're excited about something the way maybe a materialist, materialistic person would get so excited about a huge, huge bank account. Others would get excited about a, a brand new home. Others, a brand new car. And he says, your delight, your center. Or, hey, what about a newborn baby? Everybody delights in that. That's the same thing. You're delighting now in the word of God and the answers and the guidance that it gives you. The Bible says this, your word, he says in Psalm 119, have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is more than just reading the Bible. This is the words of God. Now, this goes back long before Psalm 1. Many believe that King David and others were writing the Psalms based upon the fact they were meditating on the first five books of the Bible. That's the only, only books they had. Deuteronomy says this, these words, God said, which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you'll bind them up. You know, in other words, this is going to be a part, the word of God is going to be a part of your life and you're going to pass it on to the next generation. This is a theme running all the way throughout the Bible. How do you become successful but you abide in the word? You take the word of God and you cherish it, you delight in it, and it becomes part of you. Truth now becomes you. That's how you're successful in life. So what, what do we have? We have no longer just kind of fake it until you make it. No longer just sort of saying the words in church because you want to be a part of something that's going on. And you know you're not, but you want to be. So you sort of fake that through. No, this is genuineness of the heart. Why? Because the word of God is applied to your life. Now, I've asked you to read the Psalms one every day. I hope that you're doing that. I hope if you're not, that you would commit yourself to catching up. Very easy to catch up at this point and start reading Psalm 8 immediately today. And then next Sunday, you come back and you expect to hear something else from the Word of God, but also you, you follow devotions on, on Facebook. All of our staff is taking turns doing a devotion on a different psalm every day. Next week, we'll come back. But how do you apply the Bible to your life? Notice it says, and in his law, he delights in the law of the Lord, and meaning the law here just simply means the Word of God. It means the, to, uh, the totalness of the God's Word because the only thing it had was the law, the first five books of the Bible. That's why it says that so oftentimes in the book of Psalms. But it really applies to everything that God has written. He says, on the law of the Lord, he meditates it on it day and night. Just like back in Deuteronomy, everywhere you go, meditate on it. Now, the word meditate has to do with a murmur, uh, or a repetition. Just like when you and your wife are discussing something, one of them walks off, you're murmuring. You're, you're hanging on to the conversation. And okay, if I can get a little gross here, Really, the, the, the term really refers to a cow chewing its cud. Keeps bringing it back up. I know that's kind of gross to you, but that's what it is. Just keep bringing it up. Keep bringing it up. How did they do that back then? Well, they memorized some of it. 
but they also read it and applied it to their life. Now, here's, I want to give you just real practical, practically here, five things that you, five questions we need to, we can ask ourselves as we're reading the Psalms and any, any other book of the Bible or any other passage of the Bible. Five things that comes from the acrostic of space. And I think Rick Warren uh, is the, of uh, Purpose Driven Life was the first one to come up with this acrostic. So there's five questions I want to ask myself, and I want to keep asking these questions until I have an answer. Once you have an answer, you just move on. What are they? Is there a sin here for me to confess? I've read the passage in Psalm 1. Is there a sin for me to confess? And you think, well, maybe, there's, maybe there is, maybe there's not, so you confess that, but maybe you need to move on. Is there a principle for me to follow? Well, yes. Read the Word of God, and you're going to be successful in life because the Word of God is going to change your life. You're not going to quit. You're going to stay with it, and God has promised you if you obey the Word of God, it will take you the way of success. Is there an attitude for me to change? Well, yeah, probably so. I need to start serving the Lord instead of trying to just be successful. Uh, is, there a, is, is, something, is there a change I need to make? You can't, change, you can't conform to the image of Jesus Christ and become more like him without changing. Is there encouragement I need to embrace? Oh, yes, there is. There, the Bible says, and whatever he does, he prospers. What an encouragement to every, every single person here. And so as we're looking at, <coughs> as we're looking at it, as we stare at this passage this morning, how does it all end? Because there's something to avoid. There's something to really pursue the word of God, making it, you want to know how to be successful. I'm, I want you to be successful. I want you to accomplish God's will for your life. I want you to enjoy God. I want you to have the fellowship with God. I want you to have the answers that you need. For example, I, I need to know certain things. I need to know that God will always be with me. I need to know that Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I need to know that without faith, with, without faith, with doubt, the Bible says with, with, if you doubt the Lord, you'll, you'll not receive anything. The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Don't think that he will receive anything of the Lord. I need to know that. I need to know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I need to know that God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I need to know these things. I need to know that God can create in me a new heart, Psalm 51. I need the forgiveness of sin, Psalm 51. I need to know in Psalm 1611 that, that in Christ is the fullness of joy. We need to be informed of these things. We need to know these things in our heart, experiencing them. And then God says, we're going to bless. But then... How do you do all this? How do you be the tree? Trees don't plant themselves. Somebody's got to plant that tree. So where do you all, this all began? How do you get started? And I know what you're going to say in this third point. The one to embrace is what? Jesus, right? How many of you vote for Jesus? I'm going to say Jesus. Some of you won't vote for anything. Listen, come on. Got to get used to voting a little bit. Participate. How many of you would say Jesus? Well, those of you who are raising your hands are absolutely right. I want to say Jesus. It does remind me of that story of the, of the guy that was a pastor was doing a children's sermon, and all the children were gathered around him, and uh, he was asking, he's doing an object illustration, and he says, okay, boys and girls, what has a furry little tail? Nobody said anything. Okay, boys and girls, what, 
what crawls around and eats nuts and has a furry little tail? Nobody said anything. Okay, what's really cute, has a furry tail, eats nuts and shimmies up trees when they get scared. And one little boy finally raised his hand and was like, well, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me, you know? <laughs> and you say, well, you know, you'll come with the same conclusion every time, but somebody's got to plant you. Somebody has to plant the tree. Now, when the tree is planted by, it says, the rivers, right here in verse 3. It, it's, it's planted by something. When you and I are out in the middle of nowhere, the roots can get down into the ground and get the nourishment from the ground. We're not so dependent on the rain. But, dear friend, when you're planted by a river, you never have to worry about the rain. You don't have to worry about all the other, the nourishment that you may not get. Because your roots are going down to the ground and there's always the moisture beside the river. There's always Jesus there. All the things that Jesus has can be ours. All the things that he offers can be ours. But it says here, how, how, how does this happen? It says in 1 Peter 1.23, if you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living, enduring word of God to be born again. That's how it all starts. That's how Jesus plants you as an oak tree beside the rivers of flowing streams and, and water. That's how it happens. There's an illustration that Jesus gives in John 15. Again, all the Bible kind of fits together. You know what I'm saying? And John 15, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. And everybody that abides, that is, lives inside the vine, he bears fruit. But apart from, broken off from the vine, if you're not part of the vine, you can't bear the fruit. It won't come. It may have dead leaves on it, but it will not come. So the key to all this is being born again. That is, and what that means is born from above. That you have opened up your heart to Jesus, and he's come in from above. And the Holy Spirit of God has come in to ignite your old dead spirit and then you become born spiritually. That's what it means. So you're born spiritually. It begins a journey, a journey of not doubting because you won't receive anything from that, but a faith more and building and building and building as we get into the Word of God. The Word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It all fits together. As we're looking at this, I want you to notice something <clears throat> about this passage. So important. And that is this. The success and the failure <clears throat> of the tree and the chaff have something to do not with substance. It doesn't have anything to do with works. It has to do with nature. The tumbleweed tumbles and is worthless and wasted, and is good really for nothing. It's free, but it accomplishes nothing. That's its nature. The oak tree yearns for the nourishment. The roots are forced to go down deeper and deeper and deeper to get the nourishment. It yearns for it. It's by, very by the very nature, like a tiger eats meat, like a gator floats in the water in Florida. It's the nature of it. And you and I have a new nature when Jesus Christ comes into our life. 
when we begin to follow him. And it begins a journey from being maybe that little twig that we, a uh, little small tree that we plant in the yard that we actually need ropes to tie it down. And it begins to grow and to grow and to grow and it produces fruit. You know, it kind of reminds me in this, what we go through in life sometimes, even as believers. We say, well, I want to be successful. I really want to do this. You know, God wants me to be successful. God wants me to be maybe a good father. God wants me to be um, uh, someone that really counts and really matters. I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And we sacrifice the relationship. We leave leave the word behind, and we're very free, but we're like the kite. We, We find ourselves floating down, crumbling and broken. As the story goes, a fellow by the name of Lord Fortenberry had a castle in Ireland, visited there during the summers, and every time he went, windows were broken, vandals had come in, things were stolen. He said, what I need is a good, solid rock wall. And so he hired this man to build it. It took a couple of years. So he didn't come back for a couple of years. He came back, and sure enough, the wall was pristine, the most beautiful stone that you will ever see. He walks beyond the gate, and he looks, and the castle is pretty much gone. There's no castle there. And he he looks at the builder, and he says, what happened? He said, you said you wanted the very best stone, and there's no sense in going down to the riverbanks to gather stone when the very best stone was right here on your own property. As he had taken the stones from the house to build the wall. Sometimes we say, I want things on the outside to look so good that I sacrifice the inside. And Jesus said, you've got to be born again. You've got to be walking with me. There was a a lot of people say, well, you know, if I just had enough of this, enough money, whatever. But here's the thing. I'll close with this. 1955 to 1975 was one of the biggest economic booms in American history. During the same period of 20 years, teenage suicides increased 300%. One teenager, as he hung himself on a tree, put a note on the tree. He said, this is the only thing around here that has roots. But I beg to differ. If you had only looked to Jesus... Jesus is the one who has the roots. And we can be rooted in this book. And I want you, like God wants you, to be successful. That's the ticket. Let's pray. And as we get our hearts quiet before the Lord, maybe this morning you've never received Christ into your heart. You've never really been born again from above. You're religious, you've been baptized. You've been christened, you've done all the the things on the outside, but you've just built a good wall. The castle is just not there. So I'm going to ask you this morning, as we get our hearts quiet before the Lord, if you want to receive Christ, I just don't want to make this a rote prayer. If you want to receive Christ in your life, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. You can do it silently as I pray aloud, but you mean it. You know, the words are just, it's not an incantation. It's not a spell I'm putting on anybody. You've got to mean the words, and I know you do. I know you want to be where God wants you to be. So pray with me now.
Repeat after me, if you will. Lord God, I want to be a person who matters. I want to count. I don't want to be like chaff. I want to be grounded in Jesus Christ and the word of God. I don't want to be blown away by everything that comes along. I want to have a foundation in my life. And through that, glorify you and enjoy you forever. So I pray that you'll come into my life. I pray that you forgive me of all my sins. I trust what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. He paid for my sins. He rose again on the third day so I could have life. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.